the CEO had seen some of these segments where Ken and I were luring these people on camera. So he wanted to talk to us about maybe training, doing some training for his employees. So he invited us up. We sit in his office. Oh, I've been watching you guys do these lures. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. I thought this would be a great value add to offer to our people here that have children. And Ken said, well, you know, Les, that's very magnanimous of you, but you did see we were luring adults. And he leans back in his chair and utters those famous words. I think my people know better than take candy from strangers. Ken leans forward in his chair and says, you want to bet? You guys make surveillance equipment here for the government, right? Yeah. Why don't you loan Jeff and I one of your surveillance vans? Let's see how many of your people we can lure in an hour. We lured six people the next day in an hour. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. Jeff McKissick is president of Defense by Design, a consulting and training firm focused on threat assessment, self-defense, and violent crime prevention. In addition to speaking at conferences and other learning events across the U.S., Jeff regularly conducts safety awareness training for his corporate clients' employees. He will also be the speaker at Fort Worth HR's November 17th luncheon. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Jeff. Thank you for having me, Mike. So what is Defense by Design's main message for your audience? Well, I've used as a tagline over the years, my goal is to help you spot trouble before trouble spots you. Now, what is that trouble depends upon what kind of industry, what kind of profession, what kind of job description we're talking about. So if we were talking about a traditional office setting where you have employees in the office, that may be one type of training. But more and more, I'm being called upon for companies that have employees out in the field where there are no cameras, alarms, access control, various accoutrements that help provide those kind of safety features in the traditional office environment. So their training is going to be very, very different. And then, of course, you have the hybrid of those two type of scenarios, which call for more 50-50 approach. But the whole idea, again, in summary, I know it sounds trite, but it's true. It's not a cliche. It truly is the goal of what I do, is to help you spot trouble before. That's the key phrase, because prevention is only prevention of seen and acted on through the eyes of foresight, not hindsight. So what, give me some examples of the kind of trouble you're talking about then. Well, I'll give you an example. I had a gentleman a while back. He owns a carpet cleaning business. And one of his guys was out to clean carpets. And so he had the dirty water in his van. He stopped by one of these public self-service car washes to dump the dirty water into the drain. He pulls in broad daylight, nice part of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, pulls in. All of a sudden, two cars swoop in on both sides of the car wash bay and block him in. There was no one else there. It was just him. He was in a public place, but no other part of the public was around. These guys roughed him up and stole $15,000 worth of equipment off his van. Now, was there a way to see that before it happened? Potentially, because again, one of the things I just hinted at, just because you're in a public place doesn't mean the public's around. So even though you're in a nice part of town and you're in a public place, you have to survey to say, hey, if something weird just happened here, do I have the chance of anybody coming to my aid? Just that pause for thought alone could have saved him from a hospital trip as well as all the insurance claims I had to file afterwards. Okay. So um, 
that's outside of an office area. Kind of. yes. what, what, what's an example of, of trouble in a workplace? Well, the number one, according to the American Society of Industrial Security, is when domestic violence manifests as workplace violence. And this is someone's spouse, ex-spouse, paramour, stalker, whatever the case may be, who knows where the person works, who knows where the person's going to be from X a.m. to X p.m. and shows up to either voice their opinion, shall we say, or exact their revenge. And again, that's according to the American Society of Industrial Security is the number one cause of workplace violence is when domestic violence manifests in the workplace. And there are red flags that abound. Unfortunately, most individuals, let's face it, most women don't necessarily feel comfortable going to management with those personal home dramas to make it known that um, I just had to get a restraining order against my ex. And consequently, when that trouble comes knocking, no one was privy to it. So everyone was caught off guard. Sure. You know, that's interesting because, you know, imperative. My company is a background screening company and we we deal with family offices and uh, families all over the country, domestic staffing companies that are putting people in people's homes. And obviously, if you're hiring a nanny to take care of your kids or drive your pay somebody to drive your kids around or even your own chef who's going to be in your house pretty unsupervised most of the time, you want a pretty thorough background check. And that's kind of what, you know who we cater to. But what's very interesting is on especially on the nannies uh, and people doing caregiving to, to children, uh, we do we search for civil restraining orders and protective orders filed not against the nanny, but by mm-hmm. the nanny. Yep. Because uh, it sounds awful that she's got this stalker or this crazy spouse who's giving her making her life miserable. But if um, if if I want to have somebody taking my kids out in public uh, or, you know, I want to know if this is this employee yep. has a stalker or something like that. Um, sometimes it costs that person, that nanny, a job opportunity. Uh, we've dealt with a number of really high wealth families that just said, no, that's not a risk we're willing to take. And I, I totally understand. I feel really horrible for that person, you know, for the, for the, you know, the applicant or the candidate. But in reality, if I'm hiring somebody to care for my kids, my kids security is, is, is the number one priority. So it's interesting that as it says that the, uh, that domestic violence is, is, is one of the major sources of workplace violence. Well, and to coin the words of Shakespeare, to fear the worst oft cures the worst. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have to think in terms of worst case scenarios in order to reverse engineer to create best case scenarios. Okay. And do we run a risk of just making our employees really paranoid all the time if we start talking about this stuff in the workplace? No. In fact, yeah, and obviously this has come up. I've been doing this for 34 years now, and obviously it's come up over the years, whether I'm talking to parents about their kids, whether I'm talking to employers about their employees whatever the case may be. Well, is this going to make my people more afraid? No, the exact opposite. The fear comes from the unknown. The more you empower your people to know what to look for, who to look out for, the things to listen for, the things to look for, the more you give them that level of empowerment, the more aware they become. Awareness will always replace fear. Hmm. That's good. And and then when you've got that awareness, if you've given them certain, what are some tools, I guess, that you that you, you give employees or that even a parent can give a, their kids to uh, avoid being a victim of some sort of, you know, violent crime or exploitation or whatever? Well, it even got to the point, and now anytime I'm doing employee training, 
One of the things I always include is an evening seminar for spouses and teenagers of the employees of the company. And the reason I did that is over a period of years, I kept having people coming up to me between sessions because normally I'm there, you know, for a half day, full day, multi-days, repeating the presentations to allow for different staff to come in at different times. And numerous times I was having staff come out going, I so wish my husband, my wife, my teenager had been here to hear what you say, because everything I'm telling them professionally applies to them personally. There is that double effect. And so I kept hearing it so many times over the years. Just one of the common value adds I now offer at no charge to the companies is whenever you bring in a week or so later, if it's local, if it's out of town, obviously you have to do it the same day. But I offer that extra evening program for the spouses and teens so that everyone, it truly becomes a family type of experience, which is a great value add for the company as well to offer something like that to the, the staff that they have. So is, is, is your training mostly scenario based or are there no. some key rules that people should just be aware of all the time? And the reason being, it goes back to the man that trained me. My mentor was an investigative reporter and producer for 2020, 60 Minutes and NBC News. His name was Ken Wooden. He interviewed Bundy, Lucas, Gacy, most of the names we know in crime history. And when he had a chance to interview over a thousand of these convicted criminals in prisons and mental hospitals over a 10 year period, he didn't ask them why they did what they did. He asked them how they did what they did. And from that, he developed the Child Lures Crime Prevention Program, which taught the 13 basic lures that criminals use to lure kids. So I was trained by the man that taught me to use and work in terms of principles because scenarios will abound. You can never cover all the what ifs. What you can do is ingrain and instill principles within people so that they know that Okay, someone is asking for my help, whether that's something to get something to the car, to help them get something to the car, um, because they say that there's an emergency, whatever the case may be, someone is asking for my help. But here's the key. I don't know the someone, male or female, young or old, none of these things matter. The principle is someone I don't know is asking for my help. Now, how do we filter our response? So it's learning to recognize certain principles that come in play. And I've often told people over the years, it's not a gun or knife they'll get you because that's an overt threat. It's the covert threat of a good story. Because he and I years ago for April, um, Oprah 2020, Good Morning America, Today Show, numerous national outlets as well as some local outlets around the country, we collectively lured over 200 men and women into cars and vans to show how easy it was to lure a grown adult into a car with a total stranger using only a good story. And that was just in that type of quote unquote scenario. There's so many other ways when we talk about fiscal threats, when we talk about data security, when we talk about reputational threats, numerous things come to play, but I always teach by honing in on the principles because you'll never remember all the what ifs, but you can remember the principles. So let's go through just a few of those principles then. What, what do you think the, the most important one would be? Well, I mean, there's specific lures, but there are certain mantras I've had over the years and I try to instill within people. One of them is there are no such things as safe or unsafe places, only safe or unsafe people. Because too many times we have this paradigm that we've set up and you see it evidence on the news all the time. Something bad happens in a certain nice area. And somehow the reporter will always find that one person in the crowd that they interview and say, what do you think about this? And something to this effect, we've all heard it. Oh, I can't believe something like that happened 
here because where we live, shop, play, see movies, whatever the case may be, is so, we all know that S word, safe. We have made our safety dependent upon places. Places are neutral. People are not. Hmm. So rather than focusing on where you are, start focusing on who you're around or who is around you. But that means we don't only have to look around. More importantly, with our modern device in our hands, we need to occasionally look up. We live in such a distracted world now. that, And that's one of the two things that Predators, I don't care if we're talking about two-legged or four-legged. Predators in general look for avail- look for opportunity and vulnerability. And both of those can be found when we use the word distraction. That offers a would-be predator both opportunity and it shows them vulnerability when you are simply not in the moment. Now, you're not paying attention when you're not in the moment. And so that's one of the first things we try to instill within people. Stop paying attention to where you are. Start paying attention to who you're around and who's around you, which means looking up before you start looking around. And, again, and that's that's, that's real key, right? Yeah, of that's in, yeah, in uh, gun safety training. Uh, that's one of the first things that they, they, they teach you is, you know, when you're especially when you're carrying, you've got a responsibility oh. to be uh, alert and aware of what's going on around you. I had a financial company bring me in as a value add to some of their clients. And this husband and wife couple came up to me at the end. They said, all right, we're going to confess. We're both CHL owners. We were getting leaving the mall one day, and we were both in this heated argument going to the car. We're sitting in the car, still having this argument with the car doors open. All of a sudden, somebody rapped on the hood of our car. We turned over, and this guy's like, excuse me, um, you guys look really nice. I just wonder if you had a few extra dollars. Now, he didn't mean them any harm, but it shook both the husband right. and wife because what it said is despite all their training, despite their licensing, despite what they both had on their hip, None of that would have helped them in that moment when they were distracted. They weren't in the moment. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 17 and enter the keyword security. That's S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y. On November 17th, Jeff and I will both be speaking at Fort Worth HR's monthly education event. During the legal hour, I'll discuss legal and practical background check considerations. During the luncheon, Jeff will be discussing how to avoid the kinds of off-site and on-site behavior that can get employees and employers in the courtroom and the newsroom. You can register for that event at fwhr.org. And now back to my conversation with Jeff McKissick. What kind of mistakes do you think uh, employers make in uh, that get their employees in unsafe situations? <laughs> uh, that's, that's easy. And the reason I laugh is because, again, I've got stories that come to mind after 34 years of doing this. The biggest one is my people know better. Years ago, and again, I, I la- had 10 laps in story time, but it's only because I got great stories. Years ago, a certain CEO of a certain big, big, big government company here in, in the Dallas Fourth area that used to be owned by Ross Perot, that should narrow it down a little bit. But uh, I'm not going to mention it, but you get the idea. 
the CEO had seen some of these segments where Ken and I were luring these people on camera. So he wanted to talk to us about maybe training, doing some training for his employees. So he invited us up. We sit in his office. Oh, I've been watching you guys do these lures. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. I thought this would be a great value add to offer to our people here that have children. And Ken said, well, you know, Les, that's very magnanimous of you, but you did see we were luring adults. And he leans back in his chair and utters those famous words. I think my people know better than take candy from strangers. Ken leans forward in his chair and says, you want to bet? You guys make surveillance equipment here for the government, right? Yeah. Why don't you loan Jeff and I one of your surveillance vans? Let's see how many of your people we can lure in an hour. We learned six people the next day in an hour. And one of them, they had their own credit union on the campus. Well, one of the, the first person we lured was a 16-year-old daughter whose father was president of the credit union. Forget robbing the place. We'll just abduct her and have daddy bring the money home. So there was a security risk right there. But one of the other people we learned, and it was a whole funny story. I'm not going to elaborate on the whole thing. I may tell it for Worth HR. But one of the guys that we lured was the courier for ATM machines. And when he got into our car, he did so with a bag with 250000 in cash in the bag when he got in our car. Wow. But my people know better. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Uh, what happens when we break down that word assume? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the... Uh, so if if I'm an employer and you know certainly we want to do training, how much uh, as far as physical barriers and lighting and so how you know how much do you is that stuff really helpful to employees uh, versus you know obviously if if we let's say we get our employees aware, uh, can you talk about other safety th factors that employers should consider? Well, there's certain other risks if okay. we want to use that term. Um, in other words, yes, we have physical risks. We have some cases fiscal risk. If you're dealing with money and exchange of money, yeah, there are certain things that can come into play there. There's also in the world of data security, we have informational risks. And I don't deal in the world of cyber threat, but mm -hmm. I deal with data security. Now, I actually spoke at a conference here in DFW a few years ago, and the guy putting it together and invited me, he said, wait a second, we've invited you to speak, but you don't talk about cybersecurity? I said, no, but I talk about data security. He said, well, paint me, idiot. But what's the difference? I said, I don't deal with the people that hack your computers. I deal with the people who hack your people. I either use impersonation, bribery, or blackmail to get the information I want from the inside out. Forget all your firewalls. Forget all your antivirus. I'll somehow compromise someone on the inside to give me the information I want. He went, okay, never talked about that before. So now I get why we're having you speak. So there's those kind of informa informational risks. Then you have today, I think, one of the biggest areas of risk coming on, and it definitely affects HR because many times they could be the one in the hot seat over this, is when some employee on or off the clock gets in some type of confrontation that then lands the employer on camera answering for that employee's off-the-clock, off-site behavior. And I just think of one that happened to Kaiser Permanente just about two months ago where one of their employees got into a Karen confrontation, if you will, out in the San Diego area to the point that she was wearing one of their shirts caught on camera. The video went viral. The head of public relations from Kaiser Permanente then had to issue a statement to the national news because what one employee did off site, off the clock, but on camera. So there are so many different risks. And then it comes back to who was it that hired this person? Ugh. And we all know people are people. And you can do all the back background checks and roll, but still doesn't speak to future behavior, only speaks to past. 
So things happen and change in people's lives and their temperaments and their relationships that can cause all kinds of things to come to the surface. But there again, who's got to answer for it, especially answer for it potentially to the media, if not the courtroom? Well, so how would how does an employer predict that kind of oh, you can't that, that somebody's a risk? Or, yeah, so. You can't predict it, but you can have those kind of candid conversations with your people saying, listen, you are representative of this company on and off the clock. So understand that if someone, especially when you see the camera on in front of you, that you are being recorded in the moment, that is where you just disengage and walk away. You don't need to say anything else. You certainly don't need to do anything else. When the cameras come out, it's time to go. I tell people one of the greatest criminal profilers in the world was actually the country western scene, Kenny Rogers. What were his infamous, now classic words? You got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, and know when to run. That's great advice, especially in the world of social media. That's a uh, PR strategy 101. Okay. That's, uh, that's, yeah, and HR. That's interesting. PR yeah, and yeah. HR are, are bound. You cannot, yeah, you can't. if you try to separate them, you're going to injure both. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Um, so if, if an employee is out there, and let's say something bad's happened, we've seen those situations recently with, you know, employees who have an altercation publicly and they're, you know, like you said, they're in, in a company T-shirt or even after they've done something stupid uh, and, you know, everybody's got a camera, you know, right here and uh, and they start, it starts filming and it's, it, it goes viral. Um, what to do then? What is an employer to do at that point uh, when, you know, when somebody's already done something stupid uh, and, uh, you know, we, we need to protect the company? There's no easy answer to that because now you're talking reaction, not prevention. I live in the world of prevention where I'm trying to get people to think ahead. Again, to fear the worst oft cures the worst. I go back to those words of Shakespeare. So you have to not assume that your people know how to act as grownups when they're off the clock. You've got to have some very candid conversations with them saying, again, these are things. These are the rules of road that we expect whether you are here on the clock or you're off the clock. But certainly, if you're off the clock and these types of things occur, understanding that you are a representative of this company and we may be called to answer on your behavior, we want to do so with a moral high ground. So that's why we're providing this training to you know, so you know what we expect of you. That way, if the situation folds as you're describing, that way they do have at least a leg to stand saying, hey, yes, this may have happened, but we have done extensive training in this area. This employee colored outside of the lines, clearly, because they were trained how to handle this type of situation. They did not do so. They were not acting in our behalf the way that we had trained them to do. At least that gives you somewhat of a moral high ground to respond in that type of instance. It seems fair enough. Yeah. If, if only the public is going to give us the, the benefit but, of the doubt. The is, I, honestly, I seriously, I'm not saying this tritely. I seriously believe most public, if they felt that the person truly had been taught, talked to, et cetera, communicated with, and they did not follow the protocol, I think the company gets a pass. Even in the world that we live in, cancel culture, social media, whatever you want to call it, I think you get a pass because that's the ultimate, you were warned. The company did what they, they did their due diligence. You were the one that chose to take an alternate path. That's not on the company. That's on you. You knew better. 
And so, yeah, so how we select our employees and how we train them on an ongoing basis uh, makes a big difference when when whatever happens, happens. And Well, this uh, too, you know, and you deal with obviously HR as I do. This is where things have to be updated for employee handbooks. This is not something I do, but I'm just saying something I definitely admonish that more HR professionals do is if you don't have a handbook for employees, please, please develop one because only you have to have things in writing. I tell people, if you're ever called in court, understand every judge and jury come from Missouri. What's their slogan? Show me. It's the show me state. Don't tell me what you did. Show me what you did, how you did it, why you did it, who was involved in it, how often you repeat it for turnover. All those things come into play if called into court. But you still have the court of public opinion. So the best thing is always put things in writing. Whatever your expectations are, the only way to truly manage those expectations is to put it in writing. And, and are you seeing employers put anything specific to these kind of public events that, in, in you know? Okay, yeah, you know, I, there's one company, very large company, 800 locations I know of. I talked to one of their HR people when it came to the domestic violence. He mm-hmm. said, Jeff, we caught on to this some time ago. It's a national restaurant chain. You would all know their name. And I was, I was sitting at lunch one day. I'd spoken to the National Restaurant Association for one of their risk management conferences. This HR director said, you were talking about domestic violence. Jeff, it used to be a real problem in our restaurant chain. But what we did is we not only did the employee handbook, but the more important things, like you said, is we talked to them. We talked to these young ladies because predominantly it was their paramours that were coming, not to exact any kind of physical harm, but the altercations and verbal exchanges they were having in our family restaurants weren't creating a very nice family atmosphere. But we talked to them. We said, listen, we understand this isn't your fault. Come to us. We will help you. We have enough locations. We can play the shell game. We can move you to a different location. We can change your hours. Travel a problem, we'll help you. Child care problem, we'll help you. But we can only help you if you tell us what's going on. He said, since that change about six years prior, he said, do we still have a case here and there with 800 locations? Yeah. But is it what we had six years ago? Nowhere near. So there are things that people can do. And I think, too, is when you change those, like this company did, when you put the heart into it and you put the communication, you say, no, we will help you, but we can't help you. Is there a drug addiction? Is there a gambling addiction? Is there something going on that could compromise you or someone could compromise you to either give up information, to leave certain doors unlocked, to whatever the case may be? If you come to us and let us know, we can help you. But if we find this out later on after you have unfortunately been compromised, there's not going to be a lot of help at that point. Makes sense. And, you know, for, you know, if, if people weren't choosing bad partners and making bad life decisions, I think you and I would both be out of work. So, uh, in that case, I would happily find a new career, but it's not going to happen. No, I don't think so. I think we've got job security, Yeah, but that's all the time we have today. So thanks for joining me, Jeff. Well, absolutely. This was a pleasure, Mike, and I'm looking forward to seeing everyone on the 17th. Please, if you get a chance, do come out. Yeah, and as a reminder, if you're in the Fort Worth area, you can see both Jeff and me speak at Fort Worth HR's monthly meeting. I'm I'm the warm-up show for you. I'm speaking the legal Ah, hour. It's the Mike and Jeff show starring Mike and Jeff. (laughs) So you can register for that event at fwhr.org. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, 
and Imperatives Marketing Coordinator Katie Bautista keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, keep your chin up.